India. Um, I remember my daughter was praying about going on the mission field. I was uh, concerned that she would go to India. <laughs> so praise God that you're going. Amen. We're in a series entitled Hindrance. How many have enjoyed the series thus far? Raise your hand. Because I just want to see if you're awake. Those of you that did not enjoy it, raise your left hand. A couple on the back. Yeah, you didn't enjoy it. You weren't here. All right. So, but we're on the last one. And uh, let me build the foundation again. Uh, the series is built kind of on the idea that God is always working. John chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus said to the uh, disciples, My Father is always working, and so do I. In other words, God always is busy doing good things for the world. He's blessing, he's pouring out truckloads of good deeds on the world. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Satan never gives a good gift. Amen? Only God. So all these wonderful blessings are God blessing all of us. Now, the second thing is that God is doing all of this, and then he looks over to you and me, and he says, come partner with me in doing all of these great things. Okay, we are co-labors together with God, is what the Bible says. And so God not is only doing all this wonderful stuff, but he, he wants to use us to partner with us to reach this world and to bless this world for Christ. Third thing is that God does it in us and through us. Okay, Ephesians 2 and verse 10 talks about how that God is literally forming character. We are his workmanship, which what does it mean? Workmanship means masterpiece. We talked about that. We are his masterpiece, so he's building all this character to make us like Christ, and then he works through us to touch all of those people around us. That's the foundation. However, here's the bad news. He gives us a choice. We have a choice to work with him to be the blessing to the world or to resist him and hinder him. Now, this definitely sounds like a discouraging series, right? But we've turned it around because every single one of us want to be used by God, amen? Everybody wants God to work. You're here because you want God to work in you and through you. That's what you're here for. You want to hear from God this morning, all right? If you didn't, you'd stay in, in bed and sleep because all of us needs a few extra hours, amen, of sleep. And the best time to sleep is on Sunday morning. Isn't that true? But it's the worst time spiritually. I mean, it was hard to get up this morning at 4.30 to get up and come to church. But that alarm went off, and then I jumped out of bed. Not really. I crawled out of bed. All right? So we have that opportunity to hinder. So let's, let's look at some verses. Let's look at some scripture and talk about how that sin hinders the work of God. Now, some people will say, well, I'm done then. Because I cannot be perfect. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people that hinder the work of God, those that are dominated by sin, those that constantly lie, constantly cheat, are constantly... In other words, there's no restraint. They give in. They let that sin dominate. Because every single one of us mess up. Is that correct? Every single one of us messes up. But here's here's what Psalms 24 says. Let's look at Psalms 24. Got it? All right, Proverbs 24, 16. 
for the righteous falls seven times. But then I like that last, that next three words, and rises again. Okay? The believer, because the Holy Spirit of God lives in, when we fall, we're under conviction and we rise. Now, Satan brings us under condemnation, but the Holy Spirit, he brings, he speaks to us to come home and, and confess our sin. And this is the verse you all need to memorize as we think about uh, believers falling and rising up. 1 John 1, 9 says this. This is something you need to write down and put it to memory so that when you do fall, this is how you rise up. If we confess our sin, and the word confess just simply means to agree. Agree with God that I've blown it, all right? If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just. He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Powerful verse. So how we get back in fellowship with God God has made it so simple. We just say, Lord, I blew it. Isn't it great that we don't have to do penance? We don't have to give a big offering, although you need to give a big offering today. Amen? We don't have to do that to get right with God. It's just a matter of, Lord, I blew it. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I completely confess. And then he does the cleansing and brings us back to righteousness. Now, we could talk about all kinds of sin and how that sin hinders us. Matter of fact, we could do a series on the seven deadliest sins. What do you think? (laughs) That'd be real enjoyable, right? But we're not, all right? We're going to talk about one, and that's pride this morning. We're going to talk about pride. Pride hinders the work of God. C.S. Lewis said this, pride is a spiritual cancer, all right? So let's go through four things that actually pride leads to. All right, let's go to Ephesians, or let's go to James chapter 4 and verse 6, first of all. It leads to defiance, okay? Now, pride is where you're preoccupied with who? Others? No, you're excited about what you have, and it's all about you, and you're excited about your looks. You feel sorry for the one that doesn't look like you, right? I mean, pride, just it's, it's all about you, and you're preoccupied with self. That's pride. Okay? Notice what Scripture says. He gives more grace, therefore God says, now look at this, He opposes, God opposes the what? Proud. The prideful person. So we know pride's wrong, that preoccupation with ourself, we know it's wrong because God says here, He opposes the proud, but gives strength, gives grace to the humble. Okay? What does the word opposes? Oppose me. He gets on the other side. Let's just say there's two football playing. playing. The Chiefs and the Colts are playing against each other. All right? The Chiefs are the proud ones. Five and zero, right? Well, I mean, it's, it's just easy to get puffed up. The Colts are over here. Humble. I mean, have they won a game yet? One and four. One and four. Okay, so they won. Okay. So God steps on the other side. He's on the Colts team opposing the proud. How many of you want God to work against you? How many? None of us. Look, now, now what areas does he oppose us when we're preoccupied with ourselves? Does it say, does it zero in on any area? No, he opposes us as individuals. That means everything we're involved with, he literally works against us to bring us low, to humble us, all right? So it, 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 it's not a good thing. Secondly, 
it, it brings a distant relationship. Look at Psalms 138.6. For the Lord is great. He cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance. <laughs> I don't know about you. I don't want the Lord distant from me. Amen? I want the Lord right there with me. Okay? From whom? The proud. All right? We need God in this service this morning, and we need the Holy Spirit walking in each row, at each chair, speaking to us. We have come this morning to hear from God, but if we're preoccupied with self, he's not even here. You say, well, that's the preacher. No, that's all of us. Each one of us need to hear from God, and we need him close, close, but pride He's not, he's, he's far, far away. So it's vital that we get rid of this pride in our lives. Number three, destruction. Proverbs chapter 16, verse eight, pride goes before destruction and a haughty, uh, haughtiness before a fall. And then last of all, a downfall. Now, <clears throat> I took a, a homeless man out to lunch after church a few years ago. He was, his girlfriend had visited our church and she was going to our church for a few months, actually. And somehow they hooked up and her dad was a realtor and had this house that was empty. And so he was living in the house with no electricity, no water, nothing. So he was living in there. So I want to be a blessing to him, right? So we take him out to Applebee's for endless ribs. I mean, I've never seen somebody eat so many ribs. I mean, the guy just ate, ate, ate. Man, I just, yes. You know, want to be a blessing to him. So I began to talk to him, found out that, that he didn't need the Lord. He didn't need anything. He was doing great. And I, my, my point is, he was so prideful that he didn't need Jesus Christ to step in his life and help. He wanted nothing to do with the church helping him, uh, with anything. He was lifted up with major pride. We find this in the Old Testament. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Chronicles chapter 16. Look at verse 7, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Now, this is you, uh, it's Uzziah is his name. Good name, all right? Now, follow with me. It says, but when he was strong, Uzziah. Let me give you a little background. Uzziah was, was the king of Judah. His father was getting ready to die. So he came and got him. He was 16 years old when he began to reign. 16 years old. And the Bible says that he sought the Lord strongly. He, he really sought the Lord. He went to the priest and said, what should I do? What can I do to serve God? I want to be just like my father. I'm going to be this great king. And as long as he sought God, God blessed him. Notice here, when he became strong, he had this great army. He had this great country. The Philistines couldn't do anything against him. When he was strong, he grew what? Proud. To his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered into the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Okay, so get the picture. He's, he's the king. He can do anything. So he goes into the temple to burn incense, right? Let's go to the next verse. Verse 17. 
But Isaiah, the priest, went in after him. Now get the picture. He went into the burning incense, but the priest came in after him. Why? Because it says he wasn't supposed to be in there burning incense. But it wasn't just one priest. Notice what it says. Eighty. <laughs> okay, so 80, 80 priests come in after the king. Now you think, it's just one voice telling you this is not the right thing to do. You had 80 to 1. Telling you, king, this is not what you're supposed to do. Let's go to the next verse. And they withstood Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, for the, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will uh, bring you no honor from the Lord. It will bring you no blessings from the Lord. Now look at verse 19. Then, you ever been in this position? Then he was angry. His, his hand was on the, the, the incense and he, was, he, he wanted to do this and he, he just got angry at all these 81 people withstanding him. And when he became angry, the priest, the leprosy, broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priest and they rushed out. From that time on, he lived by himself with leprosy because he couldn't be around anybody. The rest of his life, what happens is it is our downfall. And I don't want anybody to raise hands, but how many of us struggle with pride? We just, we just saw some of the things that pride leads to. How many of us struggle with pride? So we want to flip this, right? Because the bottom line, all of us, struggle with some form of pride. So let me give you some, some things that will indicate maybe you're struggling with pride. Number one, you find it difficult to apologize. <laughs> I mean, how many here just, you can't wait to get up in the morning and tell your wife, I'm just so sorry, honey. I mean, how many of you just love to say, honey, I'm just, I just love you so much. I'm just so sorry. And you got a smile on your face. You're just excited. You're pumped to tell them you're sorry. How many like that? <laughs> no, right? None of us. I mean, we would rather die, especially men, than to say, I'm sorry. Okay, so, so if, you, if you struggle with that, you might have a little problem. Can I hear an amen? Everybody still alert? I mean, remember, this is a positive message, Right? Because we want to get rid of this stuff. Uh, number two, um, I have a judgmental spirit. All right? <laughs> You're driving in this morning, somebody cut you off. I mean, anybody have a problem with a ju- Don't raise your hand. All right? We all do. Because people aren't doing the, th- the way we think they should be. How about, thirdly, I feel the need to be in control. <laughs> Did he raise, ask for hands? Here they, here they come, okay? Next. I am often unable to reach out for help, maybe to ask directions. Anger often drives my decision. I have a difficult time receiving criticism. How I many just love criticism? I mean, just, you just love it. I mean, these are just some indications of how much struggle we have and expect. Now, listen very carefully. Especially in this country. It's acceptable 
to watch TV and see these people full of pride and then we follow their example. We want to be just like them. Okay, but we need to get it in our minds and our head that this is not a good thing. It's not acceptable in the sight of the Lord for you to be the center of your world. Okay, it's not acceptable in the sight of God. So what we want to do is we want to get rid of pride. It's going to help in every facet of our life. Now, it's a continual battle. But let's, let's talk about five things. Look at your notes there. Five things, ways, things we could do to get rid of pride. All right? Number one, simply submit. Simply submit. Uh, let's go to James chapter 4. I want to read verse 10 first of all. Okay? Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. I like the King James. It says, Humble yourselves therefore in the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Okay? I really, humble yourselves, it starts with, okay? Let's go back up to verse 7, because I want you to see the context. I'm going to give you three words. I think it's already in your notes, okay? This is how we humble ourselves. We submit ourselves, therefore, to God. What does the word submit mean? It just simply means that you, you place yourself under his authority. Okay? You're directly placing yourself under this book. This book will be, this word of God will be my, you know, plan. It will be my, um, you know, breath, his, 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 his excel, his direct words from his lips to me telling me, what I should do and what I shouldn't do. In other words, this is my life. This is my direction book, all right? That's what submit means. I'm just going to do whatever the Lord wants me to do. Now, that's difficult. But that is, listen, that is an act of humility by placing yourself under someone else, especially when you're talking about the Lord. Now, what happens is when you do that, God begins to pour out his blessing. Remember the verse 10? He will lift you up in due time. He will begin to pour his blessings. He will begin to work in you and through you. I mean, in some huge ways. Huge ways. But notice what happens. As soon as you submit, Satan comes and he doesn't want that. Okay, the enemy and his demons from hell are busy working in this world and they're going to do everything they can to get you out from under the authority of God. That's their job. Is they're working in this unseen world. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1, 2, and 3, it talks about the men of this world are dominated by the spirit, the evil spirits of this world. They're controlled. And so they move and they work to get us out, to move us, to get us upset, to get us focused on ourselves again, rather than we are his and he is mine. And so what we do then is when he comes after us, it says resist. We wave the word of God as the banner over us. This, we are his. Remember when Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, when they came, Satan came to attack him, what did he do? He used the book. 
So when Satan comes after you, just quote scripture that applies to the situation. Lord, uh, uh, John, put it up there, John 10, 27. Satan, listen, I'm not yours. I'm not yours to be able to tell me what to do. I am his sheep and I hear his voice and I will follow him and no one is able to pluck me out of his hand. That's scripture. When Satan comes and he dominates our thinking, he dominates our attitude, we just wave the banner of Christ and we quote scriptures because that defends us. Literally, it does what Jesus did. It resists him and what he's trying to tell us in our minds. That we aren't God's. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 18. Let's notice what it says here. We know that everyone is born of God does not keep on sinning. He keeps confessing, keeps falling and getting up. But he who is born of God protects him. Now notice this. And the evil one, specifically the devil, does not touch him. So we wave the banner of Christ and say, Satan, you have no authority here. Get out. I am his. He is mine. I'm following him. You have nothing here. You can't even touch me. I'm defending myself against Satan who's coming after me. I'm just simply quoting the book. I'm waving the flag. I've already surrendered to this book. It's my authority. And I'm waving it because I'm his. Satan, I'm not yours. You have no right telling me all of these lies. The only way Satan can get to us, the only way, is Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, 27 says this. Give no opportunity to the devil. (laughs) Here it comes full circle back, okay? When we sin, the context of, of this verse, it's sin before and sin after. When we are continually resisting God and we're giving Satan the opportunity. The word opportunity just means a foothold. It's a military term. You're letting Satan get into your life, planting a stronghold where he can work in our lives. That's what that refers to. Okay, so our sin, and there's a whole list of sins that Ephesians chapter 4 talks about, and then of course it grieves. Spirit of God and go, goes on and on and on. We Lord say, Satan, come on. And then he begins to feed us all these lies. That's the only power he has over us is when we, you and I, give in to his lies rather than the book. All right? So it's vital that you and I submit ourselves. And then it, then it goes on to, let's go back to that verse again in James chapter 4. Um. Verse 10. Go back to that. Okay, so go up verse 8. That's what I want. Verse 8. Okay, so you submit to God, um, resist the devil, and then draw near to God. So you submit, then Satan's going to attack, and then notice the word draw. Literally means force. It literally means drag. Why would you have to drag yourself near to God? You mean, we just don't want to get close to God? What happens, we have, we have several enemies. But our first enemy is Satan, of course. Our second enemy is our flesh. There's this battle raging. 
When I'm living in sin, the last thing I want to do is get close to God. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to because of the conviction. It's so easier just to... Na, 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 na. Right? And, and just, I, I'm not listening. I'm, and you're so preoccupied with other things, you just tune God out. You ever notice when you're jumping into sin, you're just ignoring all those voices that are telling you to get back close to God. I mean, you're just, you don't even get around Christians that are walking with God. You want none of that. Because you know what they're going to say. Okay, so you have to drag yourself. You have to do battle with your flesh, and you've got to drag them old bones. Fleener, you're not getting the victory here. You're not. I don't know how many times I've looked in the mirror and called myself many names. Good, clean names. Amen? I know where you were going. All right? Good, clean names. All right? You are a scumbag. You are worthless. All right? Because he is my enemy. We blame a lot of stuff on Satan, but really, most of it's us. Our flesh is a major enemy. All right? Okay, number two. Let's go on. Okay. Number two is see everything in your life as a gift. We're talking about how to get rid of pride. You you humble yourselves, number one. Number two, you see everything in your life as a gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at this. For who sees anything different from you? These are kind of rhetorical questions. What do you have that you did not receive? Not sure what he's talking about there. So I have to read a little further. If then you you, if then you received it, why do you boast if you did not receive it? Man, it's a tongue twister, isn't it? So basically, what he's saying is everything. Basically, what he's saying is everything you have, you've received. That's what he's saying. Everything you have, you received from God. The breath, the health. So why are you boasting that you're different from somebody else, that you're better than someone else? Do you, do you see what it's saying there? If you've received it, why are you boasting? You have this fantastic brain, and there's all these incompetent people running around. Everybody know what I'm talking about? You're boasting as, hey, why are you, why are you so blind? And, and you're over here and you're saying, you're an idiot, you're an idiot. And you're, you're judging them. But hey, this brain that you have, where did it come from? You're different from them only because God gave you that ability. They have so much other talents that probably you do not, right? They do. How about looks? How about athletic ability? How about height? This kid's 14 years old. He's 6'4". Oh, no, no, 6'4". 6'6". I can still beat him on the court, though. No, I can't. Just kidding. <laughs> he just goes, ooh, steps it over me. Okay. Every ability we have, every talent is from God. So that would humble us and cause us to be grateful and thankful because of what he has blessed us with. Look at everything as a gift, and you will not be puffed up as if you are the one that developed it. Number three. Forgive others. Possibly, this is one of the greatest acts of humility. 
Releasing someone who's done you wrong. Releasing someone, they owe you an apology. They owe you. To be able to just say, Lord, I release them, I forgive them, is no longer wanting justice. It's no longer wanting your own way. It's wanting God's will. It's wanting what's best for them, not what's best for you. That's how, if you constantly are practicing forgiveness, you're always thinking about the other person. A lot of people think, well, I need to forgive, I need to forgive so that I can, I, can be, I can be released from the anguish, which is true. When you have unforgiveness and you're hanging on to that bitterness, man, you're miserable. But why not release them for their sake? And then you have the freedom to enjoy this great relationship with God and this great relationship with them. I mean, it literally literally helps in every single area of our lives when you have the spirit of forgiveness. It it helps in your relationship with your kids. It helps in your relationship with your spouse. It helps in your relationship at work. It helps in every area because you're not always twisted up inside. And you don't run around with this stinking, stinking attitude. Can I say that? How many like this with your attitude sometimes? Where's it it come from? Uh Uh-huh, it does. It comes from us preoccupied with ourselves and not preoccupied with others. So forgiveness is a vital. Number four, speak well of others. Speak well of others. We're here at church. We're not supposed to be looking at, you know, anything but the book. And so let's look at the Word of God. I mean... I could have the, what is it, daily digest up here, but we want to look at what God's word says. Amen? And again, this is a very, very positive message, although you guys are looking, okay? How do you reply? Speak well of others. Let's go to Ephesians 4. Look what it says. Let all bitterness and wrath, anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now, let's just jump back up to 29. We have 29? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Okay? Now, what in the world does that mean? Context, 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 context. But only such as is good. So it's apparently the opposite of good for building up the other person. So what is corrupt? It's good and it not just good, it builds up. Okay, only that which builds up as fits the occasion that it may minister strength and grace to the hearer. So when we're talking, we always jab because that's our culture, right? I mean, am I... Am I, am I talking right? I mean, I mean, our culture is to have fun and tease. But if you're like me, sometimes you go a little bit too. Because we forget this verse. Let no. <laughs> I love to have fun. I love to tease. But my teasing sometimes becomes personal and it goes too far. And I'm always taken back to this verse. Why? Because I want to lift, I want to be a vessel in the hands of God 
that lifts people up, not tears them down. Remember, he wants to work in me and through me. Why? Because he's doing all this great stuff in the world, and he's not just running around with angels doing all this stuff, which they are ministering spirits, but he wants to mainly use us. He invites us to join him to do all these wonderful things. Well, we have pride in our life. It's not going to happen. We need to move right along. All right. Number five, which is, is not on your notes, write it down. Cultivate a grateful heart. Cultivate a grateful heart. As long as you're grateful and you're thankful for all that God is doing, listen very carefully. You have a hard time focusing on yourself. You appreciate all that God has done in your life. And so your attention shifts from yourself and it shifts to God. And it begins to be an act of worship. Because, of, uh, first of all, he saved you. He gave you his spirit. He gave you the spirit to give understanding to his word. Just to begin. He's given you your family. He's given all these wonderful things in our life. And so it produces this grateful heart in our lives. These are five things. There's many more. There's five things to help rid us of that pride, that preoccupied with self, so that we can be used by God. He can work in us and through us to touch other people's lives. Hey, what are we here for? To grow old? To raise kids so they can grow old and die? We are here to be instruments in the hands of God to touch people's lives. That's what we're here for. It's not to go to work, get more money, more savings account, to be somebody. We already are somebody. We are the children of the living God. So it's, it's vital that you identify the preoccupation. Even when you're totally discouraged and you're down, it's always about woe is me. And what do we call that? <laughs> Preoccupations. It's called pride. It's not look how wonderful I am. It's also look how lowly I am. It's all about this. That's what we get rid of. Either way, it hinders the work of God. Let's all stand with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, just for a moment. I'll come to you this morning, sir. So thankful. God, we're just so grateful for an opportunity to see these principles. And Father, to, to see these principles and, and then make application so that we can be individuals in real... We don't want to be a, just another, another church. We want to be a family that literally is used by you. And so, Father, I pray this morning that each one of us would, would look inward and identify those areas of pride and do what the Bible says and just confess them to you. Literally, just say, Lord, I blew it in this area. Forgive me. And then claim the promise that you gave us, that you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, do a work in our hearts. Our children need us. Family members need us. 
neighbors need us. They all need us to surrender to you, to let your power flow through us to touch these people that you've placed in our lives. God, how we pray this morning, you would do a work in our hearts and we'll give you the praise. Heads bowed, eyes closed. As we play softly, if you need to come this morning and you just want to talk with the Lord, you can talk right where you're at. Cry out to Him. Talk about what He pointed in, out in your life. Or you want to come back down here as they sing this last song. Why don't, why don't you just move this morning as the band plays? Will you come? Heads bowed, eyes closed. No one's looking around. Do business this morning with God. Will you come? Will you come?